0: Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Jan Megan. Hello and welcome to Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast. I'm Yay, Alex.
1: I'm Jan. I love that you start. Well, it's thank so cute. You. I like to initiate. Alex and I are a married couple. For those who don't know, just joined us. We have five-year-old twins. We had them through surrogacy. And we like to bitch about stuff. For example, each other.
2: <laughs> also,
1: something that I really found an- annoying in relationships that people uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think that's funny because we just had a knockdown drag
0: out fight right before we pressed record. <laughs> so I wonder what we're gonna be talking about. So I wanna talk
1: to you about ice cream tastes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, isn't it annoying that your husband like would order something like you go on a like an ice cream store yeah. and you will order like the absolute Thing that you're not going to order, no,
0: I don't think there's anything wrong
1: with that. Why Why do we have
0: to order the same flavored ice cream? What are you talking
1: <laughs> about? Not the same flavor, but we went to Palm Springs uh, last weekend and Alex ordered uh salted caramel, salted, salted, salted. caramel, yeah, what mm, it's, good. it's like it's salt and it's caramel, like two of the things that it doesn't go together. Okay, for me first of all, cream. you
0: put salt in everything so why not put it in something sweet Um, sweet and salty together are an amazing combination do you or do you not like um, uh, chocolate covered pretzels
1: no oh never mind okay and I want to extend that to tasting men so sometimes you see someone you're like oh on the street and I'm like Okay, should I be offended by that? Are you going to make me
0: quote Paula Abdul again? Opposites tracked. I'm sorry, but you know, when she gets it right, she gets it right. Our tastes are uh, are compatible with each other even though they're opposite. You like old bald fat men, so that bothers me because, <laughs> you know, essentially I'm like, oh, you're not a-
1: bald anymore. Not anymore. Taddy Squared around the world. Each episode, we visit a different country. Today, we go to Australia, Alex, yes. and I'm like beyond excited. Yes, I know I, how you I, feel I, about Australia and Australian men. Um, facts about Australia. Yes. Australia was founded on January 1st, 1901. As a sovereign country, right. Okay. Yeah. Population is uh, 25.7 million okay. people. And the currency is Australian dollars. Uh-huh one Australian dollar is seventy-eight cents. Ah, okay. All right. And the national food is and they pride themselves as meat eaters as well. I didn't yeah. know that. So yeah. the national food is roast lamb. 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 So
0: so for those Israelis listening to us, you don't pronounce the B at right. the end. Um yeah that's interesting. I didn't know about the roast lamb, but they yeah certainly a lot of meat.
1: Uh three things you didn't know came from Australia. Uh the first one is notepads. Notepads? Yeah.
0: Where do you pull some of this stuff from? I mean, what does a notepad mean? I have like, a big uh, like hoo ha. <laughs> in
1: 1902, uh, owner of Tasmanian based uh, stationery shop thought it would be a good idea to cut some papers, yeah. believe thing, and, and, and glue them stack. at the top and then put uh, cardboard. that,
0: God, I'm trying to think about what happened before that. Like it was just
1: loose papers all over the place. That's why I thought it's a good idea to to glue them. Smart guy. Yeah. The second thing is uh, Uggs. Oh. What? I just want to make sure that everybody knows that Uggs and Tim Tams are from Australia. I don't know what, oh, Tim Tams are
0: the the crackers? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put them both at an equal level of appreciation for me, which is not really very hot. Uggs seem to me to be something that is begging to sweat in. Like I always see people wearing Uggs and we live in Los Angeles and I see them wearing Uggs and I'm like, God, it must be like sweaty and disgusting in there.
1: Not in winter. Uh, All right, go on. The third thing you didn't know came from Australia. Are you ready for this? Uh, Are you too ready for this? uh, (laughs) Because I've been waiting for this for literally four seasons of that show. The Minogs.
0: <laughs> that is not a kind of boot for those of you who don't know. They're not like the Uggs. The, 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 the the Mino- who are the
1: Minogs? The Minogs are sisters, Kylie and Danny. Mm. Um, they are the reason why I'm existing, basically. Okay. Um, Kylie has been a singer, as you guys know. Also, Danny. Yes. Um and I'm sure I'm by obsessed. the way sadly, I'm so obsessed 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 with them. I know I, you I, are. Just, I know you I just are. Don't know Our what listeners
0: saying. may not know that as fully and richly as I do, but um my husband has a certain insanity for the Minogues. Um and by the way, I thought it was kind of sad how you said also Danny because I'm absolutely sure she is so used to hearing also Danny.
1: <laughs> but You know I just have to say something that I, I really... The appreciation for Danny really grew, grew for me. She had a an autobiography uh, out, which I read in like three days, mm-hmm. which I thought is great. It's amazing like what she's been through and uh, how she dealt with life and being the sister of. And, That's got to be
0: incredibly hard.
1: I will say that
0: one of the things that I really enjoyed uh, about, oh, you know, knowing you, has been I... Don't think I've ever known a crazy fan of anything before. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like I, I'm a big fan of any number of musical artists, and I don't know television shows and whatever. But you, you're like the crazy superfan type. When not it comes really, to I Ky- mean, you know,
1: things have come down, especially since I got kids. I don't really have time for this. I have to say that I came very close to Kylie two times. Once once was there in in her one of her concerts. I was in the front row. And it was right after she came back from uh, cancer. Ah, uh, yeah, Showgirl Homecoming. Um, I held a sign that says, "Kylie, you are my white diamond for 20 years," but I still haven't got your autograph. And I was like first row, and she was like doing her routine. She was trying to look at, you know, wh- what what did that? Like it, she didn't really get it. Right. And somehow, in the middle of the show, she stopped everything. Uh, she's like, "I want to see that sign." Yeah. And I was like freaking. Okay. I brought a pen with me just in case she will get attention to right. it. And I spelled my name on the back of the sign. So she won't have any problem to figure out like what my name you is. You came prepared. So prepared. Somebody brought the sign to the stage and she's like ready to everybody. And she's like, how come you don't have my autograph yet? And I, I told her, listen, I come from Israel. It's really hard. You never come there, so whatever. She's like, I wish I had a pen. And I'm like... <laughs> and she was like, oh my god, I just have to. And she was like, put the, the sign on the floor and laid over it and signed it in did a very she really? sexy she way. Over, yeah, she 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 a little a way as possible. a Yeah, that's uh that's The first one The second one happened when uh, I was in America and I I worked for MySpace. I did a, a TV blog. I got an email saying, uh, "We want you to a feature on a feature on the show Extra." This is a a show that uh, with Mario Lopez. It's a it's a kind of interviewee celebrity show. And then, like a, a day after, I remember that I got another email, and she and the email said, "Okay, just so you know, uh, please be prepared to interview also the guests on the show on these episodes. Um, if you, if you want, you don't have to, but the guests are such and such and Kyle. Let me know. <laughs> Wait, and I I, an- I want to know who the such and such was. I don't remember. All it, right, <laughs> and I remember like not really replying to this email. It was like, I want to say at 10 a.m. in the morning, I closed my computer, I went down the elevator on my space building in, in, uh, in Beverly Hills, went down the elevator to the parking lot got into my car and started screaming and crying oh my god can i just remind
0: all of you that just a minute ago or like what feels like 20 minutes ago before he started telling these two stories i said he was a super fan and he said well no not really but go on
1: anyway so uh and then there's my- the rest- <laughs> then there's the restraining order that you probably have against you and then there was like the time where our kids were two and every blonde Woman that walks down the street, they will shout, "Here's Kylie Minogue!" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, it's just a blonde woman." Oh. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, super fan. Yes, uh, I got it out of my system. Now you guys know me better, and if you want to get into my heart, it's through Kylie. That's beautiful. I know, right? Uh, oh, wait, and maybe that's back. what I need to do. You know, uh, crap. So it's time to go back to life and to go back to Australia. All right. Um, Our guest today is Tom Snow, is the chair of Equality Australia. He was a co-chair and founder of the Equality campaign, which led to successful yes vote to Australian marriage law. He has kids. He did it through surrogacy. We're going to hear all about this. But uh, before we go on the plane, Alex... Before we get on the plane, I do want to talk about a Supreme Court
0: case that's coming back, uh, I, I guess, soon. It hasn't been decided yet, or at least we don't know what the decision is. This is a case in Philadelphia where... There is a Catholic organization that is paid by the state of Pennsylvania or the city of Philadelphia to vet parents as potential recipients of foster children. And this Catholic organization came back to the city of Philadelphia several years ago and said well, we will continue to provide this vetting service for which you pay us, but uh, we must let you know that we will not place gay parents because of our religious beliefs. Now, just to be completely clear, they are only one of several organizations that vet parents for fostering and adoption. So a gay couple could theoretically go to a different organization to be vetted. But the city of Philadelphia came back and said, well, uh, because of, you know, this little thing called the separation of church and state, we can no longer pay you for this service at all because we don't allow discrimination based on sexual orientation. And therefore you can't work for us, uh, in your capacity, even though you are a religious organization, uh, because you do discriminate. This has gone all the way up to the Supreme court. And, Uh, The prevailing belief, although we will know very soon, is that the Supreme Court is going to come back and they're going to back the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And the reason will be that, you know, the American protection of religion and separation of church and state is really complicated. On one hand, um, the government cannot get involved in supporting religion. But on the other hand, the government needs to allow religion to uh, flourish in its own way and people need to have religious liberties. So because of the judges that that now represent the majority of the Supreme Court, the belief is that they're going to come back and say this Catholic organization needs the freedom to express their own religious beliefs by not placing gay parents. Now, I, as a vaunted jurist, I'm going to tell you all that is fucking insane. It's insane because the Catholic Church is free to live their lives and, and worship any way they want. But if they're receiving money from a state government in order to provide a service, then they need to follow the laws of that state. And to me, the idea that they might come back and say, no, the state has to keep paying them to provide a service and within that service, they're going to discriminate against gays blows my
1: mind. What blows my mind is that the state can say, okay, we just don't want to pay you. Well, that's right. Without that's any reason. Well, like, we just don't want to pay this church anymore.
0: Well, I mean when you take away an organization's money, you are generally asked why are you doing it and they were very honest about why and they they should be honest about why yeah. because it's it their is their
1: right to to say we want to pay you.
0: Well, apparently not or we will see and um you know thanks. that's what
1: happens when you have a very mm, president a very um, mm, president? president you
0: mean a shit Yeah. He was a shit. He's gone now, but this is his legacy. Brett Kavanaugh is his legacy. Hi, Brett. If you'd oh, excuse me, Your Honor. If you would like to give us a call and join our podcast, I would be more than happy to discuss this and other gay issues with you. You know, Your Honor. This is a
1: serious invitation.
0: Well, oh, it is a serious invitation and I would be very respectful if he were to come on. Right. Um hopefully he wouldn't be like, you know, ha- he wouldn't have had too much beer as he claims that are he they did. allowed to interview? Even? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay. And they do. All they right. would never come on he would never come on a thing like this.
1: He doesn't have the balls. He doesn't have the balls.
0: All right, well, so enough of, of Judge Kavanaugh. Let's go to Australia. All right.
2: We're going to Australia
1: Hi, Tom. How are you?
3: Hey, guys. Really well. Thank you. Welcome.
1: Uh, it's Australia. so great. Yeah, it's so great to talk to you. I think it's the longest we've ever Skyped. That's to. right. This is a distant Skyping. <laughs>
3: <laughs> What's the story of our lives now? Um, you know, so much Skyping, and so, but it's a great way to do business um, do and chat to people, too. We
0: yeah. would much prefer to have flown over. Uh, but that's not in the cards right now.
1: I want to start with uh, talking about the movement that you founded, the Equality Australia. Just let us into like how did it come about and how it has evolved until the marriage equality in Australia.
3: Yeah, it's a really interesting story. And it comes off, in some ways, off the back of the marriage equality movement in the US with the Supreme Court case in early 2015 and the very successful referendum in Ireland in 2015, early 2015 as well. And so there was this massive momentum towards marriage equality globally. And many people thought, oh, Australia's next. But um, what we found was that um, while to get marriage equality in Australia would, would normally have required passing a law through the parliament, um, through both houses of parliament here in Australia or in Canberra. Um, instead, the conservative right wing of our uh, right wing party, um, the Liberal Party, they were, were pushing upon us and forcing upon the gay and lesbian community um, this concept of a plebiscite or basically a referendum, which, which was basically saying, well, we're not even going to pass the law until we, we hear from the Australian people and every Australian person has to have their voice heard. So we set up Equality Australia at that time uh, to, to, to really win a national election campaign, it was unprecedented in australia that an issue like this would ever have to go through this so we basically set up a, a, an election campaign from nothing and you know we 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 were really at the start we'd been out-resourced outclassed by the religious right and here in australia you know they had much more powerful systems in place they had you know full-time people working lobbying um politicians against our community um, and so we said, no, we've got to get ready. We've got to get this, and what we'll, what we want is a really positive Australian values campaign. And so we set that up, you know, in the end, we ended up with um, you know tens of thousands of volunteers, we ended up with uh, nearly a hundred staff across five offices, but we set that up from basically zero.
0: Did you personally have experience running campaigns prior to this of any kind?
3: <laughs> Not at all. Wow a massive learning experience. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I had a lot of experience setting up businesses. Um, and actually, when it comes down to it, campaigns are a bit like businesses. They, mm. You know, that you, you've got to have a business case. You've got to show people how you're going to do it. You've got to get the faith of the community. You've got to develop partnerships. You've got to bring everyone together. Um, and, you know, you've got to get the best people. And, like, when we went into the campaign in 2017 for a, a national vote, like the, the, the formal the campaign was really going, we really knew we had the A team, we had the best people, you know, the best strategy, we had the best messaging, really positive messaging which people were attracted to. And, you know, we worked together, you know, years of work, um, and we knew that we were going in on a, on a really good basis. But it was because we, we pulled together so many great people.
1: Yeah. And how did, how did it feel to you that uh, suddenly, like, sh- I think it was shortly after you started it, uh, celebrities like Kylie Minogue is, like, showing up with a Australia Equality Down Under t-shirt to a premiere or something. I, I don't remember what it was. And it, like, really brought it into international level of knowledge.
3: Yeah. The, to have celebrities was really good and really positive. You've you got to be careful with celebrities in campaigning, though, because... We wanted this campaign to be one of individual people. And what campaigns can get very celebrity focused and become very sort of appear to the average Australian who's going to vote or the average person who's going to vote to be elitist. So, like, we were really excited, it really pushed things forward, and we had amazing, you know, many other people, amazing people help us. Um, But we didn't want it to be a celebrity campaign. We wanted it to be a a campaign of average, everyday LGBTIQ Australians telling their story. And in fact, the first part of our campaign was actually training our community to tell their story to their family and friends. One thing we learned from the Irish campaign, and even in workplaces, someone might be working with someone who is, who's a lesbian, let's say, and they voted no. And they, and then afterwards they were, they, they were like, well, what, why did you vote? No, because I'm, I'm a lesbian. Like I want to get married. And they, they didn't realize and they, they was like, well, I, I didn't realize it's important to you. I didn't realize you wanted marriage.
0: Right. That. Uh,
3: so, so, so yeah, we, we, we were really about the grassroots about getting our community to talk to their family, talk to their friends, talk about why this is important to them. Um, and it was we, the celebrity stuff was great, but we didn't want to create too much emphasis on it.
0: You mentioned the term Australian values. What do you think Australian values mean to the average Australian that you were playing against? What What are those?
3: Yeah, well, well, like all value systems, um, you know, they're, they're multifaceted and 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 there's all parts of it. But one really interesting thing is comparing you think Australia and America are very similar countries, and in reality they are, and we have very similar cultures, but there are differences. And and you look at Australia and Ireland, and you think they're very similar countries, and we're probably more similar to the Irish, but there are some differences. And, and so I'll give you an example of the big ones that we saw. Um, in uh, Ireland, the big messages around um, around marriage equality were about, about equality. Um uh, was probably the biggest in in the US. There are a few things that we use, but but um, freedom was a really big one. Um, equality and rights would be big ones in the states. Um, which uh, there are others, and so don't get me wrong. But the, but when we message tested those um, in Australia, Australians don't really. The freedom's important, but it doesn't really hit home with them. Equality, yeah, that 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 start, people start to go, yeah, yeah, equality. But the big thing that Australians get is fairness. And what we realised is that people just saw it as not fair mm. that, um, that 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 same-sex couples were not able to get married. And so it, it's not about equal. Like people say, well, you, you know, you can or whatever like you know um but actually is it fair and there's a real part of australia that says you know we're, we're not totally about equality we're not totally about well, we're not really about rights much for, for many people in central central australia um but fairness is really important to them and they can see the unfairness of it and they're like no that's not right that's that's just not, and it's not decent that we're not there's a group of people here we're not treating the same
0: so what was um, the what what was the outcome of the referendum uh, so we
3: have huh, funny. I forget I know, the exact number now. We got sixty four percent in favour, um, with amazing record numbers of turnout in the eighties, eighty percent. So it's an amazing result.
0: Now were were the results binding, or were the results then used by Parliament in order to decide what the law would be?
3: It, it, the latter. So it was it was a it was a it was a it was like an inform informative campaign. I see. But, uh, one good thing is that it is very hard for a government of any persuasion, whether it's left or right, um, to ignore such a such a strong result. Members of parliament have their own um, their own discretion to vote how they want, and some said, "Well, we'll right, vote with the national result, which was which was uh, obviously positive." Um, others said, "We'll vote with the the result of my electorate, and we won just about." nearly every
0: single electorate all right let's switch gears and let's talk about making babies or having babies um so so i'm interested in understanding um historically uh whether marriage was in or out of the picture uh how could gay men specifically but anyone in the lgbti community um go about um having a family with children
3: and one thing you have to realise—a big difference in Australia to these states—is we have this thing uh, called de facto marriage. So if you've been together with someone and living with someone for—it varies a little bit state by state—but but, but usually two years, you've got most of the rights and you're basically treated as a as married uh-huh. um, at law. So so winning marriage was critically important for the country, um, but it wasn't so important; wasn't quite as important for parenting. Um, So that that you know, that's an interesting difference between the two countries. Mm -hmm. There are obviously as you know, many ways to create families, many, many ways to 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 do it, whether it's um, you know, through surrogacy or adoption or co-parenting are probably the big, big three. Um, you know, and historically many lesbian and gay couples did it through co parenting. Good news in Australia is that adoption is reasonably equal, that the law at any case is reasonably equal for gay and lesbian couples to adopt as, as um, opposite sex couples. Yeah, um, We do have some issues that are in, some of the adoption agencies are, well, I think all the adoption agencies are religious-based, but some of those religious-based organisations um, discriminate against our community and continue to do so. And then surrogacy is, is more difficult, and more difficult for Australians than it is for those in the States. So um, in Australia, there are state-by-state state laws. Um, there are different rules, and generally the laws are that you can have altruistic surrogacy, so you, can't, you can pay for costs and those sorts of things, but you can't pay for someone uh, to, to undertake you know, a surrogacy uh, pregnancy for you. Uh, so it te- there is some uh, surrogacy in Australia, but, but where, where it might be a, a, a close family friend or a family member. Who might carry a baby for a, a gay male couple? So that that's difficult. Uh, so many Australians do go overseas, uh, but there are some difficulties of of, of bringing back kids who are uh, who are in, in surrogacy relationships such that have been done done uh, sort of born through surrogacy.
0: Such as. Uh,
3: so bringing the kids back to Australia is possible. That every child, if they've got a. Let's go through the positives. If they've got a parent who is, so a blood parent, so who is their Australian, so I'm Australian, my children are blood-related to me or my partner, and we can demonstrate that through, through the, you know, a doctor can say, well, one of these two couple is the donor of the, all of these children. They have a right to Australian citizenship. So generally the technique that people use is to um, just to bring a child back on a tourist visa initially, but then apply for citizenship upon arriving back to Australia. Some people get citizenship before, but every child of an Australian citizen is entitled to that, the right of Australian citizenship. So it's reasonably easy. There are some state-based laws about doing uh, surrogacy overseas. I'm not that familiar with them, so I can't really offer my full knowledge of them because they have changed since I had my kids. Uh, but there are some difficulties with state-based laws about whether that's allowed. As far as I know, I don't think there's been any enforcement of those state-based laws, but I am I'm by no means an expert because, as I say, this—we um, I've got 10-year-olds and a six-year-old and all of that predated any
1: of these. Uh, Wait, the 10-year-olds schools. are twins?
3: Yeah, I've got twins at 10 and a six-year-old.
1: You had twins and then you had another one? Yeah, we don't understand that. We we, we we have five-year-old twins, and if
0: you told us to have kids again, we would probably just, you know, blow our brains out. But okay, hey. <laughs> we lo-
3: uh, Yeah, we love the messiness of a, a three-kid family. Like, never, never is everything under control. Uh, like, it's, but it's, uh, oh my gosh, it's the most fun experience every day in our house is just a ride of fun and one thing I really noticed as a, as a parent, and I say this to every, everyone looking at being a parent, is, is it's a, a lot harder than I ever expected it to be. But it's also a lot better than I ever expected it to be. And it is, a as you guys know, it is it is a complete change in your life. And so don't sort of go into this going, oh, you know, I want to live this whole life. It's it's a complete change. But, you know, it's such a fun change to life. And, you know, it's such an amazing experience. And, uh, yeah, I just love Every second I'm with my kids, like it's so fun. Um, I saw, you know, we have our moments, but yeah, it's so fun.
1: <laughs> I saw on social media that you uh, posted a, a couple of videos from uh, Mardi Gras with your yeah. kids, and uh, and it was so cute and so fun. And I was wondering, like, how much of their um, of the, this culture of, like, I want to say, the gay culture they get growing up from you?
3: Yeah, and it's really interesting. We're going through that now a little bit historically, they didn't really have any. And, and though they wouldn't have picked up on it. And, you know, mo- probably most of our friends are straight. So, uh, to date, very little. Uh, but, you know what, we ran the marriage campaign and they knew about that and they saw that. And, you know, that they go to school and they know that they've got gay parents. And so... You know, they've been asking more recently about, you know, about the gay thing and about lesbians and, you know, about trans people and how this works. And, and you know, they, they actually want to know. And so I thought a lot about whether I would take them to Mardi Gras. Um, but I have to say, having done it and, you know, I've done it as a... a before without them but doing it with them it was just so powerfully amazing and we were with other families and it's just such a great experience and i mean everything that they got out of that was so positive and and they felt so special and they felt so special to be part of a family like ours and to realize that you know there's so many positive things about being in uh, a rainbow family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that important thing, that love makes a family. They really, really understand that.
0: Um, you know, we've done this a little bit backwards because usually what we like to do is also just get a little bit of a background on you and your family and
1: how you made it. So but, yeah. we know now, but we know now. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but I wanted to ask, so you had them through surrogacy, but uh, did you have them in Australia or in United States? or uh, in,
3: and- San, in San Diego. Oh, um, Okay. Yeah. So, so as I was saying, Australia, we, we we couldn't do it the way we wanted to do it here, and and the best we we saw the best system is in California. You know, the, the, the laws around it are really good. It protects the rights of the surrogate, the surrogates family. It protects our rights and protects everyone. It really creates a really good framework. Makes sure that everyone's supported. Everyone's got legal representation. Everyone's got had the right. Um, you know, psychological testing. Everyone's doing it for the right reasons. No one's pressured. It's you know, and so we met an amazing surrogate and her family um, uh, in San Diego, and we spent quite a bit of time with them before we had the kids. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we had Easter with them. we had Christmases with them. Um, we really know and love their family. Just they're not only a, a surrogate and a and their, their kids, but also their extended family. And we, we know their parents and, like, the, wow. you know, the whole thing. And there's just a great feel between us all. Uh, was and still is. We've gone back to visit – well, we went back to visit with the, the twins when uh, my third was born, mm-hmm. uh, Teddy, and we flew them over to Australia and their kids, and we had, uh, you know, an amazingly fun time here. And so, you know, we, we, and we Skype with them still – um, we'll face some with them, and yeah you know, we have a really good um a good relationship with them. And, and for us, that was important because we wanted the kids to know the history. We wanted the kids to have this authentic um, connection with where they've come from. The whole story is known. There's no hiding anything or, you know, there's no, there's no surprises that will come up later in life. Like they right. know that this is, this is their story. And this is
0: now, part of that. Now, now was there, did you have the same surrogate for the second, for your third child that you did for the twins?
3: Yeah, we were really lucky. Wow. Uh, I, I feel uncomfortable crying Sorry, to cold, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I maybe won't share that here. Yeah, but she, yeah, we we've just got on well, and when we when we were thinking about having a third, we said, do we you know, because we'd we'd Facetime regularly. It's like, what do, you, what do you think about you know going again? And she's like, oh my god, yes, I love it. I love it.
0: Wow, so, that's that's really incredible. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. The,
3: First, I mean, first of all, she, she's a lady. She first some women love being pregnant; like she loves it. She loves the whole experience. And Th-
0: this is something I've heard somewhat commonly from surrogates: is that yeah. these are people who find pregnancy to, to be something that they really that makes them feel very good.
3: Yeah, and and she and she loves. She knows how much joy and happiness she's brought to our family, and. You know, she just wanted to, it's like, oh, my gosh, I had any chance to, to do it again with you guys. Loved it. So, um, yeah, she was really, really keen to do it another time. So it, it's, it's great. And it, it means that, like, the great thing for us is it means our kids have, you know, the, the same connection with the same person, which is lovely. Um, and, you know, her kids and our kids get on well and they you know, they face on each other and chat and
1: it's cute. Oh, well, um, so I was wondering from your experience. You don't have to give me like an um, a scientific answer here, um, but you went to the US to to do the surrogacy, and but it's still allowed in in Australia. Do you think that gay men are, uh, tend to really do it elsewhere or in Australia, according to your surroundings? Uh,
3: I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't answer it absolutely, but certainly I see that there are gay men doing it. Um, here in Australia, um, through non-commercial surrogacy, so, so altruistic surrogacy, and gay men are doing it overseas, predominantly in the USA, um, uh, and, you know, continue to do it. So, you know, it's happening. There are some really good groups here um, who, who you can, just a simple web search, you can search, you know, gay surrogacy in Australia, and there are some, you know, that they, they'll they give you all the various different options of how to do
0: it.
1: So. I see.
0: You know yeah. w- w- what's fascinating to me is that, especially from Australia, the travel costs alone need to really be taken into account in terms of oh, we'll do surrogacy in the United States yeah. or wherever else. Yes, but you're going to you're going to pay for I don't know several trips back and forth, and that's no joke.
3: Yeah, and in a, in a COVID environment, it's even much, well much harder, of course, because right. we we can't. Australians can hardly travel at all, so it's really hard at the moment. Um, yeah, there's a cost, and so you got of travel, you've got to put that in, and then you've got to go. Well, how many times are we going to travel to see our surrogate through the pregnancy at yeah. all or not, and all that sort of stuff. Um, yes, surrogacy is ex- it, you know it is quite expensive, but the real cost of kids is not <laughs> surrogacy. <laughs> so you know. The real cost of kids is having the kids and 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 housing them and you know the car that you need and the the activities and the this and the that and you know yeah. their school fees and school fees and so the cost of the surrogacy is, is significant, but the cost of kids is much in general, is much 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 more.
0: And you can guilt them about it frequently if you're that kind of parent. I don't know. We we do it all the
1: time, but you know.
3: Um, <laughs> I don't think it works with kids.
1: Either. <laughs> uh, before we, before we go to the lightning round which is our last part of the conversation I want to ask you now that uh, marriage equality achieved what is uh, Equality Australia is doing now?
3: It's really 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 important to realise that the um, so moving beyond surrogacy well actually doesn't but um, that the LGBTIQ plus community in Australia and around the world still aren't treated equally at law. Um, there are a, a huge range of things that are going on so first of all um, the far right in australia are still trying to wind back a lot of our existing rights that's sort of number one so we we need to to continue to fight back against that um, the other part that is really important is that you know there are heaps of people in our community that, that aren't treated equally fairly and the, the, the most obvious is the trans community who um, you know, there's a, ho- a whole range of laws that discriminate against them um, th- but even our community the the, the, the gay dads community um, they you know the, the fact that we can't uh, have kids overseas um, and and bring them back to Australia in in a very clear way that's very clearly consistent with the, the laws. Um, you know, is is difficult. And so, you know, similarly, you know, get teachers at, at um, teachers at religious schools can be fired if they um, come out or if they uh, get married. So there's still a, a, a significant amount of. Um, a significant amount of discrimination at law, uh, even just at law, let alone in our community um, where, where you know, we, we need a lot of work. The other really important thing is, as I mentioned before, you looked at the marriage equality result, that there are some some communities in Australia where, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, and so th- those are some of the first gen- first generation Australians uh, and really trying to, to, you know, there are some very vulnerable people in those communities who really need a lot of work, uh, really need a lot of help. Um, so they're the sort of things that, that Equality Australia is working on now.
0: Excellent. Mm-hmm. Tom, um, we want to thank you for the easy portion of this interview, <laughs> but now now we get to the difficult part. Are you ready? oh god yeah hey (laughs) no no there's no there's no avoiding it what was the first solid food that your twins were fed the first solid food i told you this was difficult
3: uh, you did and it would have been like a mashed up like it would have been a vegetable like mashed potato or something like that
0: you know that the, the ethnocentric Americans in us were hoping for something a little bit more, you know, Australian, but that's fine.
3: Yeah, like mashed up kangaroos. Right, exactly. Can- <laughs> yes,
0: no, exactly right. Um, we'll, we'll just go with that. So he Barbie. said mashed up, mashed up kangaroo. Good. Exactly. <laughs> um, Having a Barbie. Uh, but, but now, what is the most frequent dinner that you guys have?
3: Uh, I think it's like a lot of uh, people in the West, the one thing that goes down with no problems is spaghetti bolognese. I think so many parents would say that, and my kids will eat bowls and bowls of it. Spaghetti when bolognese. you can put something else on the table and they'll they'll nibble around the side. So, <laughs> but old, what we call spag bowl here in Australia, it uh, goes down a tree.
0: Excellent. Number three do you guys have a you or your partner have a family cold or flu remedy that we might find entertaining
3: yeah yeah there there is one that's like just that works every time it's almost guaranteed to cure uh and that's called a covid test up your nose <laughs> <laughs> and the threat of one, and uh, suddenly a lot of you know suddenly a lot of sicknesses go away when there's a threat of a, um, oh, yeah. a swab up the nose for a COVID test. God, uh, that's they've all, they've all had one, and they all say, "Oh no, 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 no!" Something I feel a better so like say, that lot So
0: you say, so so they have they they say they don't feel good, and you say, "Well, we're going to have to do a COVID test." <laughs> It, it
3: cures it 80% of the time. It's amazing.
0: inspired. I love it. <laughs> our fourth question is what is the first thing you want to do or you've already done as the pandemic eases?
3: Um so we are very lucky in Australia in that we actually have no local COVID. So our lives uh it, with, all, with very few exceptions, uh, is back to sort of a, a normal, but we are stuck in a domestic life, so we can't travel overseas. Right. But that's, other I than that, things are back to normal. Um, and so the, the best thing for me when, so we were, had a very relatively short lockdown of six weeks, and, and, and I, we loved it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, when it's really, six
0: weeks, but, yeah.
3: But it, but it was only six weeks. So, um, like, I love teaching and love doing stuff with the kids, and it was amazing. But And what it did mean was that we were together 24 hours a day with no distractions, no ability to do anything else. And it really helped us grow together as a family and spend more time together. Um, We got on top of a few disciplinary issues that we needed to get on top of, and so that was really good, and the kids come out of it for the better. Um, But I do have to say that my favourite thing of coming out of the pandemic, about six weeks, short lockdown, uh, was going back to school, and uh, it was a, it was like this has been great, but I, but you know, I, I love <laughs> the kids going back to school, and I love the balance of lifestyle now that we have. And kids are back to school, you know, during term time we can love holidays and sort of just get back to a, a sense of normality. And it's been it's been so nice just to be able to to be free, sure.
0: to, to in this country. So. Yeah. All right, the last and certainly most important of the questions is, please give us the name of a gay icon from Australia um, who does not, he or himself, have to be gay, but world-renowned, we should all know who this is.
3: Well, there were two people, two... Gay icons in this country who were just phenomenal um, through the campaign, and and they were just they they told their personal story, and actually they were the two of the most loved Australians and two of the most trusted Australians. So there's a thing, there's a basically there's a trust score um, of every celebrity, and what we found was when we were doing the campaign that these two Australians were ignoring the gay Australian thing. Actually, these were two of the most trusted Australians' names. Totally people who really would want to hear their story and really trust them. Um those two people, one of whom you'll definitely know, one of whom you might not. So Ian Thorpe, uh who's the Australian, mm-hmm. a very famous Australian swimmer, lovely, lovely gay guy who um did amazingly at um in the two thousand Linux games, but also since and before. Um but he, and he's just so well trusted and he, he was such an important part of our campaign and told his story over and, over and over again for us. So Ian Thorpe. And the other is Magda Subansky, who's a comedian. Um, so that's, Subansky is S-Z-U-B-A-N-S-K-A-I. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Magda was just had such trust. She, she really told her story with authenticity. Um, and she is one of those few Australians when the far right is, you know, saying all this stuff like, you know, if, you know, if the gays marry, you know, the people will marry dogs or do this. She was the one person who was able to call, you know, call it for what it is, which in Australia we say is call it for bullshit, <laughs> and she was cut through um, and she was able to just, you know, just say, no, 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 this is how it is. It's, you know, it's just such a decent thing to do. We've, we've, so many people in our community have been through such a hard time just treat us fairly, treat us equally, and treat us decently. Um, so she's just an amazing person who the world uh, partly knows and should know even better.
0: Tom Snow, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time.
3: My pleasure. Lovely to chat to you guys.
1: Bye-bye, Tom. See you. Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast around the world. We're dealing with Australia this week. And thank you, Tom, for joining us for the conversation. Alex and I are here uh, back from the interview. And I want to go over just a summary of uh, options for gay men who want to become dads in Australia. Everything that I'm saying right now can be found on slash Australia. So we'll start with adoption. Currently in Australia, laws around adoptions and fostering by LGBT people differ by state and territory. The first step uh, prospective parents have to do in order to, if they want to pursue adoption, is just to research the type of adoption within the state. So there are three types of adoptions in Australia. Domestic adoption. Inter-country adoption or permanent care and foster care, which is a little slightly different than adoption, but it, the result it's the same. It's just the legality of stuff. Religious, and that's what we talked about before the interview. Religious-based foster care agency may appeal uh, to legal provisions allowing them to refuse to. Uh, Give uh, to
0: place a place gay uh, a child with with gay parents.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know it's it it can take some time, but overall it's not impossible. You have just to have to find the right right place. And there's a website that's really helpful. AdoptChange.org.au. uh right. That's uh, that can really help you guys with with figuring out stuff about adoption. Surrogacy, uh, uh, altruistic surrogacy, and aid donation is the only type that is currently available in Australia. Unfortunately, Western Australia only allows single women and heterosexual couples to engage in surrogacy.
0: Wait, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, it's not
1: allowed for gay. So it's like a state. It's yeah. like a state within Australia that doesn't allow. Yeah. Okay. Um, a typical surrogacy agency in Australia costs um, something like seventy thousand Australian dollars. Okay. Uh, most of the costs are for IVF, right? Right. Now, co-parenting. So, uh, there's not enough information about co-parenting if you research the internet. However, I spoke with uh, Rodney from the Gay Dads Australia. It's a it's an organization and a Facebook group that's really helpful. <clears throat> and turns out that despite uh, the lack of information, co-parenting is currently the most common way for people to uh, to become parents. There is a legal history behind why there's not enough information about this. So I'm just going to say that... I'm not going to tell you the story. It's a long story. Um, but if you're looking on the internet, if it's not a person that you actually know that you co-parent with and you're looking in the internet, beware of scams Yeah, oh and, God. you know... Things are things can be very problematic if you meet a person and you don't know who they are. Right. So what he says, the the best way to find a co-parent, if you don't already have like a friend, a female friend, or somebody, is just to post on your Facebook page that you're looking. And your friends of a friend and friend of a friend may reach out. So wow. it's a lot of waiting and yeah. kind of, you know, asking people, but it has to be very personal. Um what he did say though is that And I didn't hear it for any other countries. The LGBT parenting community in Australia is very well connected to each other. So lesbian moms and gay dads, they're all very connected. And they really help people who want to co-parent. So there is a chance, more than you know. I talked a lot with Rodney about co-parenting, and what he said to me that is really, really interesting is about the co-parenting agreement. To his idea, and he talks a lot about parenting agreement uh, and and co-parenting with with dad. He he advises a lot. And his best advice, which I found very helpful, is that co-parenting agreement, it's a living document, meaning that you revisit it after one year. Right and say this works. This didn't work, and mm. you, you agree that you're gonna revisit it. And although although it doesn't viable in court, it's still you know the the judges still look at you know what did you think at sure. the time, right? Sure. So it, it's helpful. I, and, I just wanna I just wanna
0: interrupt and and say that. it's so funny that in relationships like that, you write down a document. Meanwhile, we had children using surrogacy and we're married and we don't have any documents or agreements about the way we're going to raise our children. Isn't it funny? Like yeah. it makes me say, well, why don't you and I sit down and write something down that says, this is the way Wh- we're going. I do pairing? it
1: when we, when we can just
0: fight over right. everything. Exactly. Right? I
1: would say that's the best way to go. Just yeah. the fighting is the best approach. F- fighting and couples therapy then <laughs> later to solve it. Um, <laughs> one other thing, last thing that I want to say is that, and, and I, you know, I talked to him and I'm like, my heart was exploding when I talked to him, when I talked to Rodney, because he was saying so many good stuff. Mm. I'm actually going to uh, persuade him to write something on a, on a website about this. Um, what he said that basically, in the first year of the baby, it's like, this is like, there's not not much to do. The baby is pretty much sleep and eat and poops. That's all he does, or she. So, what I suggest to co parents is to spend that year building the relationship between themselves, meaning ah. that, you know, come to each other's house, cook dinner together, get to know each other, and build this Relationship because you are building a family eventually, right? So, so the that more makes you a lot know, sense. and it's beautiful. I yeah. think the more you know about the other parent, the more you, the more it's going to be successful, and, and the less you know of uh, surprises right. you are going to get, right? Um, anyway, so a lot of uh, the links are waiting for you now on daddy dot com slash Australia, and now we're going to move on to Men Having Babies Corner, and Alex has a confession. oh <laughs> alex has a confession we're to make. very real here at daddy squared um
0: yes ron Puldayan, diane the director of men having babies and i coordinate the recording of this segment every week and up uh, this week i i can can i say fuck i fucked up i fucked up this was a very very busy week for various reasons i'm making excuses but ron and i did not uh succeed in getting together and recording that so, said, it is possible that you will hear an MHB Corner. Right now. Right now, if <laughs> I get him on the phone during the weekend. Meanwhile, my husband is staring daggers at me right now and will be angry at me for the remainder of the weekend.
1: Not really. Now that you said it to the whole world, maybe I won't. But that's the reason why Mea we culpa. had a fight.
0: Mia culpa. Yeah, Mea I was culpa. upset
1: that he didn't do his job. Oh, all right, so let's go to the man having babies corner, which we which don't know we what we don't it know what
0: it'll be yet. Yes, it's like a.
1: <laughs> are you ready? Cue the <laughs> corner.
2: This is MHB corner. In several countries that do not allow uh, surrogacy to the same extent as that it is allowed, in the United States, there is a feeling that uh, for the sake of the surrogates surrogacy should be uncompensated, as we have uh, previously covered in our previous corners, as well as that the surrogate should have more rights to protect them, including supposedly the right to keep the child of the intended parents. This is usually well intended. The assumption is that the surrogate will appreciate the fact that she can get to decide about the uh, fate of the child after the birth. The reality is that surrogates do not ask for this uh, supposed right. Indeed, legal certainty about the uh, status of the child is one of the things that both IPs, intended parents, and the gestational surrogates cite as one of the things that give them the most assurance and peace of mind and the uh, psychological uh, uh, assurance that they need to get into this arrangement. Surrogates feel that this is not their child, and they know it's not their child, and they want the law to state that clearly. In fact, some of them are concerned that the interim parents are not going to want the child. Some of them, of course, um, might uh, feel that this is a reassurance or validation of their internal intrinsic uh, intuitions that this is not their child, and they do not want to be faced after the birth with this supposed uh, gift by the state that would tell her, are you absolutely sure this is not your child? No, it's not their child. And the law should state that, as it does very clearly in the United States. And uh, those countries that are, uh, try to uh, have a period, or as they call it sometimes, a cooling-off period, during which a surrogate should be allowed at least two weeks in some cases, as it is in some places in Australia, most most of Australia, um, to make a, dec- a final decision about uh, the fate of the child, that is usually a time that the surrogates really do not appreciate.
0: ManHavingBabies.org
1: So we're back from MHB Corner. Thank you, Ron Puldeyan. That was really wise words. <laughs> Stop, that's <laughs> terrible. We don't know what the words were going to be
0: and we're recording this. I like the fact that we don't try to cover for like our crap. You know what I mean? Our listeners get to know what's really going on, how the sausage is There's no
1: production behind it. It's just That's not true. You do a tremendous amount of production. All right. uh, Besides the men having babies who help gay men all over the world with surrogacy, there are a couple of other organizations. So I mentioned Gay Dads Australia. Listen, guys, I have been a silent member in Gay Dads Australia for the couple of months, just as a backup research for this episode. And I have to tell you, this is one of the most unique groups I've ever seen on Facebook. It's it's a great way, if you are looking to become dads, it's a great way they accept members, uh, gay members who are thinking about that. And they are very supportive. And there's also subgroups for every state. So the main group is more about the discussion. The subgroup is more about this social stuff. So Ah. they arrange like activities and stuff like that. Um, so it's very highly recommended to check that out. And I just want to thank everybody there too. I want to thank Rodney and all of the other guys who helped me with my, um, Query about co-parenting. A query, will you? Right. Mm. Um, and I, I really encourage everybody to who's from Australia to visit there. Um, besides that, we have Rainbow Families, which is another organization. What What's interesting with Australian dads is that they believe in the and and you know it's kind of remind me of what Tom Snow kind of uh, the Australian values. Go on. That Tom uh, talked about. Uh, they They believe in paid forward. So new dads come in they are you know they they consult with the other with dads who already been through stuff about the, what they want to do and they stay and they lead to the next round of dads and i find it really beautiful and That's it's a nice. very good value it's lovely so we're nearly in the end of the school year and what i found really challenging alex is keeping up With the storage of all the artwork that the kids are doing. (laughs) So every day they come back home with tons, not tons, but large papers, you know, like some sort of monuments that are related to either like a Jewish holiday or an American holiday or... Things
0: they made, you know, work that they did. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I find myself struggling with... Should I just throw it away? or but but I can because it's my kid, and it's so cute. and you know, some of it is just you know, like a, a paint scribble on a paper, and I'm like, okay, that I can throw, but you know, I, I just don't know what to do with that. Well,
0: so for those of you who don't know, in the Jewish tradition, uh, if you have a piece of paper or a document or a book that contains the name of God, you're not supposed to throw it in the trash or burn it. You're supposed to take it to a special place where they bury it. And I have to admit that there are times when I look at some silly thing that my child did at school and I'm ready to throw it in the trash. And
1: yeah, I I can't, you I can't. can't do it. So you know? I, I want to involve you guys. Like if you I just want to hear stories. I want to hear that it's okay to throw these things <laughs> away, I guess. It's good I want to
0: anyway. We have a the mechanism is that you put it somewhere. Because you don't want to throw it away, and then it just sort of magically it's ton- disappears. Like,
1: it's <laughs> it's tons. It's mountains of paper. It is. It is literally mountains. And of paper. And not just paper for the whole year. Things with googly eyes glued to
0: them, and things with yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true. Well,
1: there are some things that I threw away. They, they did some something with salt, like things that make the house dirty. I threw glitter. away anything with glitter, glitter. salt. Uh, I don't remember even macaroni. What. Yeah, oh, I glued, said that
0: macaroni glued on. Yeah, those things were problematic.
1: Yeah, so if you guys have any idea or any advice or any stories to say about uh, kids' artwork and how do you store it, please write to us at hello at daddysqr.com.
0: Daddy squared. So this is the episode that is coming out right before Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there needs to be a little bit of a moment of Father's Day. I mean, it's Father's Day in the United States. I don't know where it is in you know Australia and other countries, but nevertheless, there are two things I want to say about Father's Day. The first is, you know, this podcast is about being a gay dad. And we have talked on this podcast about many different ways about of being a gay dad. There's one that we have not discussed. And it anal, matters.
1: Anal penetration? Stop it.
0: Closeted gay men who have children. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take a moment to celebrate them too. They're 23. 5, 35, 45, 55, they're grandparents, and they're they're in the closet, and they have children, and maybe grandchildren, and they have a family, and they may be suffering inside because they haven't been able to come out and live the rest of their lives the way they wanted to, or maybe they're not suffering, and they've just come to terms with it, but they are part of who we care about on this podcast as well. And we love them too. And we love their children too. And we wish them a great joy on this Father's Day, as well as if you are a gay man, no matter what kind of gay man you are, and you are trying to be a father or you are a father, we love you and we're very happy to have you as our listeners and part of our community.
1: With that, I'm not gonna add anything. I'm just gonna say happy Father's Day, Alex. Happy Father's and Day, and we're gonna see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
0: You are